and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Heidi Dugan, I am beside myself with excitement to have you as a guest for She's the Boss Chat, so thank you so much for agreeing to do it. No problem, Jules. I'm I'm actually just as excited to be on. Um, <laughs> I think it's amazing that we can have these conversations and share all this information with so many people. So um, I'm I'm just honoured that um, that you take the time to to interview me. Well, it's my absolute pleasure. And the very little I know of you, you look like such an interesting woman. So let's start off with telling everybody what your business is now and what you're doing. Yeah, so my my main business is helping businesses grow in China to scale their business and to connect with the consumer. And the way that I've done that is not only having business expertise and understanding the culture, but I have a massive following of uh, Chinese consumers through my TV show, You Are the Chef, and, uh, wow. and then that and, and other shows. And so... Uh, it's really about connecting a brand with the consumer and giving the right message to that consumer so they become loyal customers. Amazing. And I can't wait to hear how you built up this following and how you've ended up with TV shows in China. But um, the uh, tell me a little bit more about what you actually do as well or your why. Why, did you, why are you doing this? Oh, and the other thing, sorry, I'm just going to throw a million questions at you, is are you talking about Australian businesses getting into China or are you working with Chinese businesses that are growing in their own country? Actually, I work with any business. Um, I work okay. very closely with the UK government, also with the US government and oh, right. with the Australian government. So, um, so and, and the Chinese government, to be honest. So it, it's really about picking the right brands that I think that are really going to thrive and grow in China right. and um, seeing that there's that, you know, that just element that I think will really be a hook for the Chinese consumer and that will add value to their life. So, um, so I'm really selecting the companies that I work with um, at the moment, I do have more Australian companies, but, okay. but in the past, actually, I was working a lot more with the UK brands. So and it and just, why? It depends, really. Mm -hmm. No, keep going. It depends, really, on the government situation of what's happening. Um, right. And so it's really important for me and my business is to make sure that I represent uh, just foreign businesses more than anything. And uh, when Relations are great for Australia. Then we <laughs> yes, must be a bit difficult for you at the moment. <laughs> um, actually, no, on the contrary, it's the flip side. We've been so fortunate now that um, we have a change in government, which has meant a change in conversation. And, uh, and that has Thank goodness. literally <laughs> just changed everything yet right. again. And, and it feels like we're back in the past. Where, where we had these wonderful relationships and wonderful conversations with the um, with the government. So I feel like we're back there now. Um, oh, thank goodness. There's a bit goodness. of work to be done. 
Yeah, exactly. So, so you said you 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 obviously have an instinct as to what you think will really resonate with the Chinese consumers. Can you give me a couple of examples? What sort of things do resonate? And then we'll get into your own story. But I'm just intrigued. Yeah, it, I mean it. It really depends. It can be so random. Um, like for instance. At the moment, I've got uh, a brand that does chai, and right. uh, and it's it's not at all in the market. And the way there's no that chai in China. There's none. It's not wow. something that is drunk. Um, and okay. so the Chinese are so experimental with their flavors. And so this brand Bondi Chai, um, they're very big in Australia, and they also have very specific elements that that I look at that um, can really show success. And one of them is commitment to the market, but they've mm-hmm. got a very refined uh, product offering that is good not just for B2B but also for the retail um, market. And so it's just we've tested it and we just know that um, the people that have tasted are going, oh, this is really interesting. How can we use it? What can we do with it? Ah. And so it really reflects other things like matcha, um, in China, you know, matcha is used in desserts and drinks and things like that, and it really mimics that but has a completely different flavor profile. And then we mm. have um, – uh, I don't normally look – I normally look after food and beverage and um, health and wellness. Right. Um, but I now have a, a, a company that you probably recognize the name is King Living Furniture Company. Yeah. Yes, and uh, they're one of Austra- you know Australia's biggest furniture business. And at at the beginning, I was like, furniture. This is not this is not really what I do. But <laughs> this is wait not a me. second. Then, yeah, like, but but I, there was just something about how they went about their business and what they were doing. And I was like, wait a second, this is lifestyle. This is all yeah. about lifestyle, and that's what I am. And it's about you know improving someone's life and making it you know, their space feel better, making them, you know, be able to live a better life through this product. And, so and they're quite aspirational, of, King, King Living as well, aren't very they? Very aspirational, accessible and aspirational. But, um, you know, having been in China for so many years, what really resonated with me was that through this furniture, I got this incredible glimpse of Australia, and it almost makes me feel like crying. I oh, because homesick. the colours, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, oh, if I could have this furniture in my house, I'm, I'm like almost living this beautiful Australian life in China, and so there was a real, I, I know, it sort of tugged at my heart for yeah. this brand, and I was like. If, if people could just get a glimpse of this and have it in their home in China, how amazing would that be? It and would be so amazing was, for everyone. In, right, fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, oh, so I love it. Was, Look, uh, that was, yeah. Uh, that sounds incredible. Now, there's obviously a little bit of a lag between China and Australia, so I'm sorry if um, I'm talking over you, but... 
I have to hear your story because I want to know how you ended up in China. So let's go right back to when you were at school, Heidi. This is what I make people do and they go, oh my God, I can hardly remember it. Can you tell me where you grew up and what size family and what your parents did? Yeah, sure. So my father was is a um uh, uh what is he? He's a project manager. <laughs> um, <laughs> construction for construction, he builds buildings. He's the okay. project manager for it. Um, my mother was a um a, you know uh, I, I should say stay at home mother, um, but she sort of built this um real estate empire and, and oh, very much wow. to uh, yeah. So she, she sort of bought and sold um, properties left, right and centre and she was uh, really interesting because at one point she had over 40 properties. Um, so it was someone, you know, that was looking after us and doing this sort of side hustle, um, which that really grew and grew. Yeah, and, you know, we've got four kids. I'm the second eldest. I've got my older brother um, right. myself and my younger brother and um, my sister and um, we are we're hustlers we're definitely hustlers I was and gonna I think say that you've that got good was... role models for in your parents as well absolutely so where was that um, where, where, where did you grow up so we had a really interesting life we were sort of um, uh, we grew up initially in Darwin in Canberra then Darwin then Singapore, then Brisbane. So we sort of moved around quite a lot when we were young. And um, and I will say that I did not like it when I was small. Um, and uh, I now can see that having moved the location of my home and my school so many times, especially during primary school, really shaped who I was. Um, and it made me very, and I can see it in my brother, we're very independent and very dependent on our family. So, um, so which is, is fortunate because, you know, your family has got to stick around, right? That's Friends right. You can't get away from go, them easily. Family can't <laughs> go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, and and the, the fortunate thing is, is that they also got that similar experience, although we're very different. They they have that real resilience and ability to drive. make friends and the drive, but the ability to to get out and put yourself in. Uh, situations where you're uncomfortable and then to become, you know, to befriend that that uncomfortable situation. Yeah, I have a little bit of that myself. Yeah, having grown up in the army, an army brat moving around, you either go one way or another, I say, you either become very introverted or you learn to make friends fast. Yeah, now, absolutely, absolutely. So, so Heidi, tell me about school. Did you like school? Did you go to the end of year twelve? What What happened with school for you? Yeah, I loved school. Um, you know, I loved. Uh, I especially loved high school. I loved the friends that I had. Um, you know, you have sort of fights with your friends and ups and downs and things like that. But in general, I was, you know, I was a B grade student that, um, that that. I would say my marks always were lifted because I knew that the subjects always had one one area where I had to present. So, right. you know, my English might be a C, but then I'd have to do a presentation, a verbal presentation, and I'll get an A on that one. So ah. it would kind of, you know, 
Yeah, so I was, you know, debating and public speaking and drama and uh, and those sorts of areas, and and I was fortunate that um, that my my family really encouraged that, and uh, and and, I, and actually, not only that, my my parents were doing the Dal Carnegie courses, and right, uh, so oh, they, they were, were learning to become better at what they did, and they, yeah, oh, my family, you know, sort of, this is. I think as a parent, what I've learned most from my parents is that you never, ever can stop learning. No. And they have constantly, constantly bettered themselves. You know, even now I see, you know, my mother was, uh, um, who just recently passed away, but she was doing a course in business, um, uh, you know, Using sort of esoteric energy in business, like amazing, unusual stuff, and and that's always meant that our family have been constantly. We we get that you have to constantly improve yourself. You have to have coaches. You have to have a a fitness coach. You have to have a business coach. You have to have a life coach. Um, No matter what point you're at, you know you you need to have those sorts of people around you that are constantly going to improve you. So, oh, um, that is fantastic. That's, Re- really, really yeah. good advice, particularly for all the women listening. I'm actually doing a talk next week for a group that does mentoring for women um, about the importance of mentors, and I'm 100% with you. It makes a huge difference to have someone on your side, particularly if they've done it before, so they can actually give you the benefit of their lived experience as well. Absolutely. So, and and this oh. is the thing is is that you'll you'll have different teachers throughout your life, um, but you must have teachers um, because things are so difficult when you're doing it on your own. Yeah. And when you have the um the the visibility and the hindsight of someone else's experience and someone else is able to take a look at you from a non-emotional perspective, is is that's right gold. It is absolutely that. That um, uh, what's the word for it? Um, it's completely gone out of my mind. But anyway, yes, I hundred percent agree with you. Now, talk to me about finishing school. So, what mm-hmm. did you do when you left school? What was the first? Did you go to uni? Yeah, I did. I went to the University of Southern Queensland and I pursued acting. Um, and I did four years of acting up oh, there wow. with the idea. Yeah, with the idea that I was going to become, you know, the next sort of Nicole Kidman. Kate Blanchett. Um, Nicole Kidman. Kate Blanchett. <laughs> and, you know, who are um, incredible role models as people also for, yeah. for us, I think, um, uh, women in Australia. But um, so, yeah, so I, I enjoyed university. I'm pretty, you know, I think I'm one of those people that, you know, when I make a decision, I'm going to go and fully commit. and. I'm going to enjoy it and when I'm not enjoying something then I need to change it yeah <laughs> so yeah I love that if I'm not happy if I'm not enjoying something then um, it will last a few weeks possibly and then I it, it's a trigger for me it says no this is not okay you know this is just my life 
right? This is yes, just but my this life. is also a classic on profile of an entrepreneur because obviously yeah. you do it, you hyper focus and get really into it. If you don't, it's boring. It's just time to move on and go and find the next thing that can give us some passion. So I do love that. So absolutely. So what happened next? I'm waiting for the the China introduction, but what did you do the as China, your first job? It's really. Yeah, so, oh, first job, you know, I, I won't even go back there. I was fish and chip shop, you know, someone that sort of right. a convenience store. But it was after, I, so as soon as I could get a job, I wanted to have a job and sort of learn. Um, but I actually got a job at um, Movie World and that for us was, uh, you know, for actors who were most of the time not in work, um, <laughs> Movie World was a really great option because we were acting, but we had permanent work. And so we could go, they were very flexible and we could go to interviews. And and so that's what I did is I went for interviews and um, I, right. I did stage plays and TV and things like that. Um, wow. At the, this point in time, I will say I was also sort of from about grade 11, 12, I was also modeling and I was teaching at a modeling school um, diploma and I was teaching acting and presenting yourself. So I'd always sort of been, I, I suppose, using every little bit of skill that I had to make money and, and really enjoy it. So where is the China part? There was a little section in between. Um, I remember having a conversation with my father and yeah. he said he clearly was supportive of me doing acting but was nervous. Yeah, and um, and so he said, you know, I really think that if acting became your hobby, that you would be incredibly successful at it. But that means that you have to have a daytime job. And I was like, nicely okay. put, Dad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and he's like, yeah. So I'm. I this is. I read. I think he said he read something, and so I was like, all right. Well, so I decided to do a course in. Um, in secretarial skills and computing skills. Um, okay. And it was with a college here. And because I was so not uninterested, but I was just not, um, I wasn't worried or nervous about anything. I was getting massively, you know, really high grades in it. And okay. the, the school came to me and said, we'd love to send you on a scholarship to go to Japan. And so I was like, and they'd, uh, we'd love you to represent us in Japan because we've got all these study schools in Japan. And, right. and I was like, why not? And Absolutely. so it was three months that, yeah, and I was like, you know, that, that sounds perfect, my personality, you know, representing them and, you know, I'd meet them there and I'd do schooling with them and, and all that kind of thing. So I did that for three months. And then whilst I was there, and I can see the seeds that my family were planting in me. And my father said, there's a course in China about <laughs> international trade. Right. And I was like, international trade? Are you kidding me? I, I can't believe that you didn't go China. I don't know the language. Well, I did. Well, I, there were a few things that may help me make the decision. Right. Um, when my father told me about this, one thing I always uh, was was told and learnt to to do in our family was when you have a decision, write down all the pros and then write down all the okay. um, you know the cons. And so I wrote that down. And um, the pros were, you know, it's a little bit closer to the UK and the US for you know where <laughs> I was going to be going. Right. Um, uh, the second thing was my acting teacher said, if you want to be a great actor, 
you need to get out and experience life. Yeah, and true. And I thought, well, my God, I'm going to be doing international trade in the center of China, in Wuhan, um, on the Yangtze, and uh, and what better experience? And it's going to be yeah. for a year, and so why not? Um, and then the final thing was, uh, do I seriously have to take my shoes off? everywhere Um, because in Japan I was like taking my boots off you know when I go in and change clothes at a department store or when I and everyone was like no you don't have to take your shoes off don't worry and I was like done settled sold I'm going to China (laughs) um and then um I literally uh I literally came back from Japan packed my bags and the second day I was in Melbourne oh, wow. with a group of people from uh, RMIT and then we flew two days later to uh, to, to China. To China. And so what was that like? How old were you at this stage roughly? Um, uh, so I would have been about 23 so you're young and you're heading so off to yeah, China. How how was that? How did it feel when you first landed? I mean, was it very scary or exciting yeah. or what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I my probably biggest um, uh, impression was the smells were so and the sounds were so different. Things that I'd never experienced before. It was just completely different. And remember, I'd already lived in Singapore for a period of time, oh, yes. so Asia. Plus, my uh, one thing I haven't told you is that from a very young age, I studied Kung Fu. Um, and so oh, our family was very much into martial arts and our teacher was Chinese and we loved Chinese food. And my dad and mum and I, you know, my brother, we would always go and get the um, Kung Fu uh, movies. So I grew up watching Jackie Chan and um, Jet Li and, you know. Uh, so you'd been exposed uh, to some of the sort of entertainment over there. Anyway, can I just say your dad and your family sounds amazing. I mean, it really obviously had a huge influence on you to end up where you are now and to get that support from your parents to go on, try different things. It's great. Yeah. Uh, and and it continues, and uh, you know, I I definitely think that the learnings that um, and the support that we have within the family is, um, I like I haven't seen it in many families, and uh, no. it, it's just amazing. It's amazing. It it's such an incredible support system and uh, a great understanding. So, but um, but but my brother and I were the ones that really got into kung fu, and so we were the ones that sort of pursued a lot more and. And, uh, you know, memories of my mother just going absolutely crazy because every Wednesday and Friday night I had kung fu class and it was like, Mum, I'm sick, I don't want to go. You know, <laughs> I've got too much homework. And she'd go, I don't want to hear it. You Speak are going. Speak to your father about it. You know, you were going. And, um, and, I, and I just love that, you know, as that's another lesson that I think my parents have instilled is, you know, when your child picks something, they have to commit and it's not going yeah. to be easy. Um, yep. You know, swimming and kung fu were the two sports for me and it was, you know what, you wake up at 5 o'clock. I don't <laughs> That's care. the way it is. Chosen it. You must do this. This is a character-building thing. Whatever sport you decide to do, it's all okay. But you must follow through. You must commit. And, yeah. um, and I do really thank my 
my parents for being so um, disciplined in helping me become so disciplined because I know now as a parent of two children how easy it is to go, okay, don't worry about it. You know, yeah, yeah. I know you, you don't want to go. And, and, and we can't do that as parents because it's not fair to them. think it is better. It's not fair. It's not fair to the kids. It's um, The kids might hate it and, you know, be sort of kicking and screaming as you drag them along, but they have to go. They have yeah. to commit because that is what we want to see in our children as adults. We want yeah, to be able to go. Absolutely. This is difficult. This is really difficult, but I am going to get through it. And this is a quality that I see with people that succeed. It's not about whether you fail or whether something is difficult. It's about we know it is. That's, you know, there's a good goal at the end. That's yes. why we commit ourselves. That's why we go through this. And if it was easy, you wouldn't have the learnings and the ability to, to achieve it and everyone would do it. So, um, Very but, true, yeah. very true, so, Heidi. So mm. now I want to tell, I want you to tell us all about how yeah. a student who arrived in China to help um, other students has ended yeah. up with the career. So tell me how your career has unfolded since you arrived in China. So, okay, so <laughs> when I was in, um, I want to go through this really quickly because it's a yeah. long story, but um, I was in Wuhan. I went in the summer break to Shanghai and I was in heaven, absolute heaven because, Why? you know, they had a, a, a shop called Watson's and they had conditioner, hair <laughs> conditioner. And I was so excited because Wuhan had nothing Western and right. Shanghai had this one shop and it had deodorant. And I was just absolutely flipping in. I was just, this is heaven. This is the most beautiful <laughs> city. And, um, and as I was there, I got to meet uh, a lot of different types of people. And, uh, you know, it was a very small group of foreigners there at the time. And I met a guy who, um, who offered me a job in real estate in okay. Shanghai. And so what I did was I was like, well, this is really interesting. If I'm going to, you know, be studying this international trade, why not see if I can get a job? So I went back to the university and I said, listen, you're training us to get jobs in China. And I know that I'm doing this course, but I've just been offered a job. And so they were so amazing. And what they did was I, I went to Shanghai, I moved to Shanghai after sort of eight months of me doing the course. And yeah. at the time, a lot of the, the teachers that were coming in for the course, because it was a joint venture between the um, Iron and Steel University and RMIT. And so right. the RMIT uh, teachers would fly into Shanghai and then fly to Wuhan. So what would happen was they'd fly into Shanghai, they'd meet with me, give me my curriculum, I'd work, I'd study. They'd go to uh, Wuhan. They'd teach all the classes, then they would fly back to Shanghai, give me my exam, and then they would fly out. Right. And, uh, yeah, so um, so that was how I passed my uh, my trade, my um, diploma um, in uh, international trade. And uh, so I was doing real estate at the time, and uh, then I got the opportunity. I, I made a really good friend who was um, at the Financial Times, and 
uh, you know, everything in China is about connections and who you know. And he uh, he introduced me to the um, head of one of the TV stations. And at the time, they wanted someone to uh, train their news reporters that were reporting in English um, on TV. And so, oh, wow. sort of, and that's why I sort of brought in my my previous sort of experiences was about presenting yourself. It was about um, speaking in, you know, in English, but speaking to people. So then I started to train their um, their news reporters and I would then help them edit the news, which was really fascinating because we really got a glimpse on how the how we had to structure the news and whose name yeah. had to go first, whose name would be second, no matter what the article was, what, you know. How oh, there's a hierarchy of, can I, can I ask, at what stage had you learned Chinese? Because if you're helping these people by that stage, I assume <laughs> yeah. that you knew the language. Yeah. Um, so what I did was when we were doing the course in Wuhan, we had intense Chinese training right. and, um, and that, you know, by no means, uh, meant that I could speak Chinese, but I was fortunate the, the person in the real estate company that I uh, met, um, what became one of my closest friends, he, his Chinese was excellent and we got an apartment together and he was, uh, he was British, um, or he is British, and uh, he really sort of stood beside me and encouraged me to speak Chinese, but then also corrected me. So I got a lot of experience Great. through him. Um, but I also just knew that I had to have a tutor. So I had, I would get to work at six o'clock every morning and I would get a tutor and I would ask the tutor to teach me everything I needed to say that day. And and that was that was how I wow. sort of learned in the real estate. And, you are um, seriously and extraordinary. Okay, so you know, it's, yeah, come. it's interesting when you say that. Um, it's it's really just a set of decisions, and it is uh, you know, as it is with everyone. When, exactly, and when I look back, and people go, "Wow!" Like I mean, that was so massive. It wasn't massive in my mind because there was a connection to what I wanted to do, like yeah. making a decision to go to China. I think if I had have asked friends or things like that, gone outside and they would have gone, are you kidding me? Oh, my God, this is crazy. But instead I was sort of going internal and going, this makes sense. This is the next right. This is clearly the next step, you know. So there was yeah. no real fear or, you know, there was – Definitely, you know, I knew there was going to be challenges, but it, it, they're just these individual steps that we make. And when you know True. who you are and where you want to go, those decisions become a lot easier. Yes, and I think that, true. you know, for anyone listening, I think that's, you know, why we talk about knowing yourself and being confident in yourself and understanding your own skills because decisions become very easy when you know who you are and where you want to go. Very true, very true. Um, okay, so, um, and I know that you wanted to skip through it fast, but I still want to know how you have ended up having TV shows in China and running a business yourself rather than as an employee. So just take me through how those years yeah. have worked. And you've obviously got married. Uh, is that to a Chinese person over there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, so right. hit me up so with the whole story, any- Heidi. <laughs> okay, so there are the key key things that um, were um, integral to the to the changes that ended up happening. 
the head of the TV station was really fighting for a Chinese um, TV channel to have an English channel, a complete okay. English channel. And as he was sort of really um, doing that, I was there. And I had already been the guest host on one of the other shows. And what happened right. is they knew my background, they knew who I was. And so when they got the license to have a foreigner become a TV host, I ended up being the first foreigner in China for, that could have its own, have my own TV show. Oh, my goodness, Heidi. Amazing. So, yeah, so, and that was You Are the Chef. And um, it is still, you know, that that's definitely my legacy piece and it's what people still know me all as. It was a daily show that uh, was aired three times a day and it was me going oh, around wow. to all of the different hotels and working with the chefs and the chefs were literally teaching me how to cook and we went shopping and we'd buy things and um, and it lasted for, you know, 20 years and it's still aired oh, my to goodness. this day. Yeah, and um, it became, um, it's just an institution and, uh, you know, I get now, oh, I grew up watching you. Oh, my mother loved your show or I learned English from watching your show. And it be, especially for people in Shanghai, they were just, um, they were surprised to have a foreigner on the, yes. on the show. And um, and my personality is definitely incredibly casual and sometimes a little silly. And so I would have a lot of fun. And when you have an Italian chef who's highly strung and you make them dance or sing on the show, you know, <laughs> the, the, uh, the audience loved it. And um, so it was, uh, it was a great experience. And to this day, you know, what happened through that, um, I also was pregnant and I had my daughter, my, uh, my oldest, who's 17 now, and I kept going on the show as I was pregnant. And that is just never heard of never before. done. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, you know, bursting at the seams and I was on. And then, so I only took off a few weeks. Um, we sort of pre-recorded in advance, but to the audience, I literally took about two to three weeks holiday. I think it was about six actually. And the right. first show I came back on, I brought my baby, you know, my little girl. And so the audience were just, oh, my God, we are getting this glimpse. And this is before social media and everything. They're like, we're getting a glimpse into Heidi's life. And everyone just, you know, just loved it. And I did it with my son as well. And, and what happened was people then uh, transited from me being a TV host to who is this person? What is she doing? How is she, how is she doing this? And how is she fit and healthy and how she had two kids and so what happened was everyone became fascinated with me as a person and what I was doing so all of the other way bigger shows started picking up on that and they started interviewing me and they started ah. getting me on their show and so I'm you know a regular host on parenting shows on on other food shows and and it, it, it's been through that where uh you know, the government has done incredible videos of the change. They did this, we call it propaganda video because it's the department it came from, but um, this video of uh, the changes over 20 years of Shanghai in correlation to my life. And oh, wow. They, which is 
it's it's absolutely phenomenal. And the, so I have this video, and and it was so funny because when I saw the edited video, I was like, where did they get this get video that. content from? <laughs> oh my god, they have watched every single step of my way. Like I'm so glad I've been good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> so um, and and that just kept getting aired every year, you know, over and over and over again, you know, wow. national day time. And so, so many things. And then they did another one about my life and they often would come and video my family. And, and again, they would keep it. And every Chinese New Year, they play these, the same So uh, is this all, is all this attention positive? I mean, obviously so it positive. would be great for your career, but yeah. did you, did you find it all a bit overwhelming in a country with how many billion <laughs> that so many people no. know you? Or it's yeah, just been amazing. No, no, it's been amazing. The Chinese public have been just so supportive. Everyone, the government has been so supportive of me. Um, I oh, think that's brilliant. It, it, the you know, I think when when you're doing presenting and and um, hosting and things like that, the one thing that you really understand, and I think it is the key reason why I've been successful in business with the brands, is is that you are only ever talking to one person. Yes. So, yeah, I get that there are millions of people, but I, I really have always thought, you know, when I'm doing what I do, is I'm, I just, as long it's as just I one on one. truly connect with one person, I'm okay. And I'm okay if people won't agree with something, if I can influence or have an impact on one person. If there are a billion people watching, that one person has a, like a, a change or or enjoys what I did. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm not you know I don't I'm not a perfectionist at all. I'm a kind of like hell Go yeah I'll flow. do it yeah yeah it and like see it. how it goes you know and 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 it's been I'll say it's always been successful because I think that no matter what has happened, I've always thought it was a learning experience. So. Um, yeah, I mean, when I said earlier on you were extraordinary, you are, but you've also taken the opportunities when they've been presented to you and you've run with them. Yes. And that is, you know, another great learning for anyone listening is, you know, don't let those opportunities pass. Don't think I'll get another chance. Just go for it at the time yeah. and look what can happen. Now, yeah. um, in the course of your career, uh, one of the things I guess I like to talk about in this podcast is not everything is always shiny and beautiful and everything goes perfectly every time. Um, and there may not be anything that comes to mind, but are there any moments that you can think of that at the time in your business career, you thought, oh my goodness, this is a disaster or how am I going to recover from this? Yeah. But it has actually led you to go in another direction that, you know, you kind of go, gosh, I'm glad that happened to me now. Have you had any moments like that? Yeah. I'm sure you have. Yeah, Can you absolutely. share one? So there are a number of them. Um, so one, you know, one of the first ones was when I did start working in China is that um, my visa wasn't, um, uh, it, 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 I hadn't gotten my visa and I'd already oh. started working. And back in the day, you know, there was always someone within the government, within the companies. And it really didn't connect with me. You know, I was young and naive and the company, I think, you know, they were processing it. So it didn't really connect with them also that I was there. So the second day I started working, we had the, the police bureau come down and pretty much drag me out 
of oh my god and uh, with my my now one of my dearest friends and he was in the exact situation uh, same situation and um and over the course of the next two to three weeks we were sort of taken down to the police station and sort of questioned and um and things like that and sort of you know really sort of slapped on the hand the, the company was an incredibly big company and so they they had um, the ability to work with the um, the police and to you know the customs to 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 get through that. Um, it was a frightening experience, I think, definitely for my um, my friend Alex. Um, you know, we were taken into little rooms and sort of yeah. questioned, and then we were separated and then questioned again. And um, I was sort of like sort of picked up on his energy and I'm thinking, geez, you know, this is <laughs> um, big. Should I be worried here? And I called my mother and, um, and, and this is just the epitome of um, sort of what I grew up with. And she went, oh, my God, how amazing is this? What an incredible experience. What's the worst that could happen? And at the time I said, well, they'll deport me and they'll send me home. Of course, we now know that it could have been worse than that. But um, I uh, – and she was like, well, well, if that's the worst, then, you know, just go with the Relax. flow and do what you've got to do. And and um, how many people have had an experience? How many of your friends have had an experience and can say that they've had this happen? And I was like, well, no one. She goes, <laughs> well, then great. enjoy it. Um, yeah, and so I was sort of like – Okay. And, and okay. you know, and I think that, yeah, so, and, uh, you know, we continued. And, and actually, it, this was a really pivotal thing because that, that mind shift also made me see the, the, the policemen as people. Yeah. As doing a job. And instead of taking, you know, the fear and everything and sort of placing everything on me, it was really, it, it shifted to, we need to work together to make this happen, and um, and 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 that and that was a real shift in me. I think that I sort of took the focus off myself and and realized that this is a conversation. And they, I, you know, although it was, you know, it would really quite a frightening sort of experience. They were so amazing. They were very caring, actually, about oh, that's the process. Good to hear. But you didn't, you know, when you're so worked up in fear and things like that, that sometimes you don't see that. And so through that conversation with my mother, I found that that was that that was a I was able to shift my my focus. So that was that. And then I, you know, after real estate, I worked for a law firm and I was the um, office manager for a law firm. And I remember getting the job, and my brother had just come to China, and he said, "Let me go through your budget and what you need." and geez, you know, you're spending a lot of money. And uh, so I was just about to get this new job and he said, well, this is the budget that you need. And it was a preposterous amount. And um, so I, I was doing the interview and, the, you know, again, I've got acting experience, international trade. How could I possibly run a law firm um, or their office? And um, and the, uh, the partner sort of said, uh, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I just said, listen, I have done none of this before. I have had no experience, but I will tell you that I can do it. And yeah. I will have this up and running within months. And he was like, you've got the job. Off you go then. And, wow. Uh, yeah. And so I got that job. Um, but through that process, what I realized was that 
I'm not really um, someone that is good working for other people. Um, I I really need to be someone that works for myself. So through that process, I, I sort of got very depressed in China about what was I going to do, you know, uh, you know, what possibilities. And um, and so uh, it was through that that then I started going back into the TV and getting a job within the TV station. And uh, I started to change my career. And I have done a number of different things, but that was really the, the step into TV that I needed. Yeah, and wow, I'm just so glad you did. Look at all all the all the yeah. things that you've done since then. Incredible. Um, because this is a, a yeah. show called She's the Boss and it's about women in business, one of the things that I like to ask is whether you've had help from other women along the way because one of my messages I'm constantly out talking about is to lift the women up around you and to be that person that will mention someone else's name in a room full of opportunities, which is my favourite saying. So yeah. have you had women that have done that for you in your career outside of your mum who sounds extraordinary yeah um my sister as well um she's 13 years younger than me and um she is just phenomenal she was she is still one of the you know those people that were not you know um like sort of books, you know, went to university and did all that. She's so street smart and everything, right. the way that her mind works. And, you know, all our all the kids in our family are entrepreneurs and have our own businesses. And, uh, you know, even though she's 13 years younger, I look at what she does and how she makes decisions um, just incredible and how committed she is when she makes a decision. So I've learned that with her is really jumping in. I, I think she's in, incredibly good at that. She's a definitely one of those people that go, yes, yes, we're going to do it. And right, we're we'll, going to do we'll it. We'll find a way. We'll find a way. And so um, so I, I think that she, her strength and her understanding and her compassion that she has uh, in her business and, and with her children, with her family, with the whole family is amazing. And, and you know, we the other two women that, um, again, just how fortunate we are, my two brothers' wives, um, you know, ah. my younger brother, yeah, he, uh, they are phenomenal in, in so many ways. Sophie, she works with my brother, to um uh, in their real estate um business and um but but she in her sort of herself she sort of did neuroscience and is just incredible she's also one of those people that when she she gets an idea <laughs> like we just sort of like see her go and we often call her superwoman because she <laughs> there's never an excuse you know this is the one girl there is never an excuse good enough that will stop her from doing something. Oh, she um, sounds wonderful. Amazing and really good person to sort of bat ideas about. And then my older brother's wife, a dentist who was in the army, incredibly successful, then decided to, you know, to really nurture the family and look after that. And her ability to research things, like, you know, often we have these conversations about whether it's immunization or tax or things like that. We know that we can go to her and she's one of those people that 
you know when you take an idea and you go deep and yes, you find my sister in law's like that out. too. <laughs> so she's like that. So she's our go to for that. And she the what she teaches me is um, you know, the the importance of going deep and not you know, I'm definitely a jack of all trades. Um, where she goes deep and she finds out all of the information and 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 I'm really attracted to people that do that because you know whether it's a tax or an accountant or a lawyer or um, you know a, a health person you know whatever it is when they go really really deep in their area of focus so fascinating and when you it is fascinating someone, you're right you know when they get so passionate about something that. You know, and they they'll go. It's so boring. I'm like, no, no, no. It's so interesting. Uh, well, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I teach PR to business owners, and often they'll say, I have, you know, I haven't got anything to say, and I'm like, you have no idea how much you know that we would love to know that that you know you're assuming that we understand, and we yeah. don't. So I 100 percent agree. Yeah. Now so, another of. For me, yeah, and I will um, say actually one other that um that has uh, had an impact on me for my China profile, and that's Quinton Bryce. Um, okay. Wow. She, yeah. Um, I met her oh probably about twelve thirteen years ago in um right. actually in the, um, the consulate in uh, Shanghai, and her grace. And it, she was really someone that I had never seen in, in you know, in the government, in parliament, um, who was just the epitome of that old-style beauty and grace and yes. knowledge and wisdom and dignity and all those sorts of words, yep. And such dignity and things like that. And so she is constantly still in my mind when, you know, I'm the, the chair of Auschan Shanghai um, on the board and um, and and I really sort of when I you know I'm, I'm because I'm an actor I try to tap into different um, personas and so there are times when I you know have difficulty or uh, I need to do something challenging what I do is I just tap into their personality and so I imagine sometimes <laughs> that I'm Quinton Bryce and uh, and and take some of those beautiful qualities that she has in, you know, and, and, and bring them on and, and use them to sort of use her abilities, her assets to help me. Oh, that's lovely. I have to say that you are the sort of person that um, I would have thought a lot of people would emulate you as well. So it's lovely that you, we, you know, we all need role models, as we often say, Absolutely. you can't be it if you can't see it. So yeah. makes such yeah. a difference. Okay. Yeah. The last question I'm going to ask you is one, because I've now interviewed, I think about two over 200 female founders and women in business, the number of them that have pushed themselves to burnout, I have mm -hmm. been shocked by. I mean, I hear about it, but I didn't realize it was so prevalent. So my question to you is, how do you juggle work and family life to give each a bit of balance? How does yeah. your week look? This is the, 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 the structure of how I'm able to do what I do. I am yep. very clear that uh, the things that are a priority for me I love business and I love my family and I expect to have it all. So I don't work past five o'clock. I don't work on the weekend unless it's a, a yeah, film great. thing. Um, so I create structure 
that will um, amplify my business. Now we we sort of talked about our uh, you know uh, my family. My brother has an amazing um, uh, coaching business, business coaching, and so I have this twice a week where I get coached. And one of his big things is you must schedule holiday and rest time. Yes. So um, I know that I am absolutely on fire when I have holidays and I push my team. I tell them to go, just get out. You know, you're not feeling well. Take the day off, you know, and they're like, should we yeah. put, let's take it off. What are you doing? You know, you haven't had a holiday in two months. Should you not take off Friday? Go and take the day off. Um, you need to oh, schedule lovely. it into your day. So we look at our yearly schedule. These are the big holidays. So for me, July, August is always two months of holiday because that's when I come back to Australia. I will sometimes do a little bit of work, maybe meet up with clients, but I have this two months where I enjoy. Lovely. And, and, and what I've experienced is, is that through the rest and through doing other things, I really learned so much about my business. Yes, it rejuvenates you for your it own business as well and you gives you perspective. Absolutely, and uh, and 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 even this this time, you know, uh, with my team, I, I think I'm a, a really good leader. I'm very hands off. Let them do what they've got to do. Um, but even as I said, I, I had to come back to Australia because my mother passed away, and um, you know, I realised with my team that maybe I have been still interfering too much. The team, without me being there, has really been given the opportunity to step up. And I have just, you know, it's important as a leader to make sure that people in your team have the opportunity to improve and to be given the chance to to, to be better and do better. And, you know, my company is, is completely women. So I've only employed oh, women. Oh, fabulous. And um, no reason for that. I don't want a man or anything, but they have been the right people. They're the best yep. people to, to employ. And as part of that, then I go, wow, I've got women on my team. I've got this completely different perspective. They have this understanding of families and 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 caring about people and caring about businesses. And so they're the perfect people to nurture my clients, to nurture my followers and fans. So um, that's what I realized I needed is, you know, more mothers, more women. And that and that's why I've, I've, um, I love I've been that. attracted to, to that, that element in, uh, in my business as well. Yeah. Oh, wow, Heidi. That's fabulous. Now, I said that was the last question, but I've got another one for you. Okay. And I just love this question because it comes out of left, really out of left field. Is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, yes. I, one, of the, one of the quirky facts I think that um, I do is <laughs> this is, you know, in when when the, we have the uh, the new year, everyone yep. spends you know the new year sort of partying and getting ready. So I about sort of a month in, uh, no, sort of around the beginning of December, I start to take time out. That's a really important time for me, and um, and I take about three days. And what I do is I look at everything that I've 
done in the past what I want to do and then what I want to do for the next year. And I do this really funny thing where I imagine that I am at the end of the year, the next year, and I write a like a PR, you're going to connect with this, like a PR speech yeah. of what my year was like. <laughs> and right. No, I, no, that's very clever, very clever. Yeah. So what I do is, you know, we all go, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I go through that process. But what I actually do, is, and which I found is much more useful, is I imagine myself at the end of the year and I go, I'm so grateful that, I built this business. I'm so grateful, you know, that I employed this person, that I took the time to spend time with family. And I go through and I write like three to four pages of what that year looked like as if it had already happened. And oh my, when that you is... do that, you just, no challenge is bigger, you know, too big because you already have experienced what it feels like when you get up and say, you know what, I bought this company and it felt amazing and I helped this business grow 100% or, you know, whatever. Or I, I, um, I took the step and bought an investment property and it feels great because I have certainty and I have, you know, money in the bank and, you know, and so this whole feeling of having already achieved and getting that feeling within me, really making it super clear and sharing it in this PR speech um, means that when I start the year, I know exactly how I'm going to feel and it's that connection that makes me go, you know what, it's a little bit difficult, but I know exactly what it's going to feel like when I get there. Oh, my goodness, Heidi. That is such good advice. Um, I love it. I was only last week talking to someone about that idea and I can't remember who it was. It was one of the – sort of the self-improvement gurus that I went to. I used to watch might have been Wayne Dyer, but I remember them saying – What you've got to do is you've got to imagine yourself at the top of the mountain Mm -hmm. and then look back and work out how you got there, which Mm -hmm. is almost exactly what you're saying. Um, And it just does something in your head that makes you say, yep, I can do it and I know what I'm going to do exactly. And also allows you to go, that's not right for me. That one is that, you know, so you can choose as opportunities are presented to you, which ones are a good fit and which ones aren't. And, I mean, I, I grew up, you know, we were at sort of 10, 11 years old. We grew up with Wayne Dyer. So, you know, we were sort of brought up on him as well. And, you know, he's amazing. I, I, absolutely amazing. And, and, you know, that's who we've got so many Tony Robbins and things like that. I've just been another <laughs> course with Tony, Tony Robbins, you know. So, like, they're constantly. Um, the thing is this, and what we as women forget, is that we know, we know what we need to do. We actually know yep. what we need to do. And when you put yourself in the future and you look backwards, the understanding of what steps you need to take are already within us. And it's it's by using that technique that we're able to draw that out instead of having uncertainty um, by going, oh, should I shouldn't I? It's like oh, I can see that. Because we can, we're all very good at giving other people advice because we look at where they want to go. So we need to do that with ourselves and um I my my mum always said that and it was like we have everything that we need inside completely us completely within us and we just need to trust Ugh. that. Yeah. 
Oh, you're just so wonderful to talk to. Heidi, if anybody would like your help with getting their products over to China or want to connect with you because you're such a fabulous woman, what is the best way to do that? And can you give us website addresses and things like that as well? Yeah, so the website is Heidi Dugan, H-E-I-D-I-D-U-G-A-N.com. Yep. And then I'm on social media, Heidi Dugan, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, it's Heidi underscore Dugan. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to connect with you on this podcast, but, you know, I'd love people to reach out and, uh, you know, I, I think it's important to share information. I have a belief that, you know, when, when the tide comes in, all boats rise. And uh, this yes. is something that, you know, that it, we need to, um, you know, it's not just this, we need to band together. It's not that. Um, it is good for us to elevate other people. And it not is, just women, yes. for, men, uh, for us to elevate men as well. I mean, we yes. talk so much about elevating other women, but what about women elevating men as well? So I think this is the thing, you know, when the tide comes in, we all rise and we all need to think of it that way is this world is abundant and we can share and we can help each other. That's exactly right. Oh, I have loved this conversation. Thank you so much for agreeing to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's been so much fun. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. 